Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we come to you now, Lord, before this, this communion time, and we ask you, Lord, to help us. Lord, to be prepared in heart and soul and mind to remember you in your death. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now if you'd like to turn, please, uh, in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 24. This is a passage here that's going to be, we're going to focus on just in this few moments before we come to the Lord's table and uh, in order to prepare us. And it was a very, very important time in Israel's history. In Exodus chapter 24, it's a uh, it's a, it's a great chapter, so just follow along now in Exodus uh, 24 here, Exodus 24, starting in verse 1. And he said unto Moses, come up unto the Lord, thou, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. Moses came, told the people all the words of the Lord, all the judgments. All the people answered with one voice, said, all the words which the Lord has said, will we do? Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning, built an altar under the hill, 12 pillars, according to the 12 tribes of Israel, sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. Now notice, and Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar, and and and, and he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold the blood of the covenant. That's the title for today. Behold the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made between you concerning all these words. Then went up Moses and Aaron of Nahab and Abihu, 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, paved work of a sapphire stone, as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, come up to me, to the mount, and be there. And I will give thee tables of stones and a law and commandments, which I have written, that thou mayest teach the people. Just drop down now to verse 17. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. Moses went into the midst of the cloud, got him up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. So this is quite a, 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 an event here in the history of Israel. As I said here, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai. And the people have made this tremendous promise that we just read about where they said twice, these were, they, 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 what, as it says in verse three, 
all the words which the Lord has said will we do. And when they said that, then Moses went and took half of the blood of the sacrifices and he sprinkled it on the altar where the sacrifices were burned. And then he took the other half of the sacrifices and of the blood of the sacrifices and he did something just amazing. And I want you to try to imagine that you were there at the base of Mount Sinai at that time. And, you know, just picture it, the wind's blowing, you're standing there, you're watching Moses as he, and, 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 and you said to yourself, what is he doing, what is he doing? And you watch carefully as Moses goes over to the altar with the blood of the sacrifices. You see him approach the altar, and, you, and as you do, you, you think about that altar, and you think, that's a place of death. That's a place where animals were killed. And you thought about the not bad animals, but the best animals, the perfect animals, the ones without any blemish, the ones that that that, that are the best one out of the herd. And those are the, that's the place where the animals are killed and sacrificed. So that's a solemn place. And you watch him go over to it, and you watch as Moses takes the blood of the sacrifices, and he and and you see him as he as as he takes the reeds and dips it into the blood. And then you watch Moses as he, as he flings his arm and the blood goes on the altar there, the blood of the sacrifices. And you think to yourself, as you're watching that, you think, Moses is making a statement here. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is, but it's, it's something very important about blood. There's something very important about the place of sacrifice. And keep in mind that Moses never told the people what he was gonna do next. So as you're standing there, there you don't know what he's gonna be doing. And you're wondering what's coming next. And then you're amazed as you see Moses come up closer to the people with these basins of, of blood. And he's standing there and you see him then dip, dip his, the reed in there and he flings the blood to you. And you close your eyes because the blood gets on you. And, and as you stand there astounded with the blood on you, the same blood that's on the altar and then you hear Moses say in verse 8, Behold the blood of the covenant. Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. And that's going to be our focus now before the breaking of bread. Behold the blood of the covenant. What does that mean? I mean, just imagine yourself again. You're there and you've, you've got this blood on you and it's been on the altar and you hear Moses say, Behold the blood of the covenant. And the first thing you understand is that, is that Moses has just said the word behold. And behold is a, is a word that, that means, don't just take a quick look at this. You know, don't just take notice of it. Don't just, you know, say, oh, yeah, I, I see, there's a blood there. No, behold, and behold, Moses is saying to us, to the people, he's saying, stop and ponder. Stop and think about, think deeply about. Just stop and take time to carefully consider the blood of the covenant. And that's what we want to do. Behold the blood of the covenant. Behold the blood of the covenant. And, and, and of course, we think of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and when it says, behold the blood of the covenant, what we're going to do is to think about all the different accomplishments that were made by the blood. So what do we see? What do we see as we behold the blood of the covenant? Well, to understand the importance of blood, we have to go back to the first reference in the Bible to blood, which actually happened, the first reference actually happened right after the devil had gotten man to sin. 
He got man to sin and, 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 and against God, the great fall, the rebellion in Genesis chapter 3. And then as God is going down and questioning each party that was involved and came to, 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 to the party that was the source, the serpent that was Satan, then God pronounced a judgment. And the judgment on that serpent was in Genesis 3.15 where God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So God says to the devil that there's going to emerge uh, a, a very special person who is called the seed of the woman. No one has ever been called the seed of the woman in, 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 in the Bible. It's always the seed of man, so-and-so was the son of so-and-so. There was always the father. But this is special, and this is the seed of the woman. And, of course, that eventually becomes Mary. And this is going to be the deliverer who's going to defeat the devil. And that picture that God painted there is of this deliverer taking his foot up and stomping it down on the head of the serpent, killing the snake, that crushing the head of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the devil. That's the picture. But this deliverer that's going to do that is not going to be unharmed in the process because God said that this deliverer was going to have his heel hurt by the devil. So the picture of the deliverer raising up his heel to crush the head of the snake, of the devil. But as he's doing it, the snake then goes up and strikes, bites, strikes the heel of the deliverer and draws blood, and draws blood. So this is the first real reference in the Bible to blood. It's of the, it's of the blood of the deliverer that's shed in the, as, in the process as he's killing our arch enemy, the devil. And it's this blood of the, of the bruised heel that's the foundation for our deliverance. And, and so as we behold the blood of the covenant, we see the foundation of our deliverance. It's this picture of this heel that's being bruised as it's coming down on the head of the snake. That was the Lord Jesus Christ, and he realized that when he came to earth. He said, you could say about him that he knew that he was born to crush the head of the serpent. He was born to crush the head of the devil. And he was also born to have his heel bloodied in the process. We desperately, we desperate, we don't know how desperate, but we desperately needed to have the head of the devil crushed because the devil held us hopelessly in his clutches. We're prisoners. You know, we were like prisoners in a galley ship you know, locked down below and, we're, and, and, and forced to row, forced to work. And, 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 and such a pitiful sight as you look on the ship and all you see are the, the, the waving hands on the outside. Someone help, someone help. Now, someone come and free us. And all the while, the devil laughing at us as he sees us out there crying for help, crying for help, because there was no one to help. There was no one to defeat the devil and to free us until the Lord Jesus came. And when he came, that's the emphasis of Genesis 3.15. The emphasis is, emphasis is on the seed of the woman, him, and, and, and the fact that he would have this bruised heel. And, and the emphasis is not on us. The emphasis is not on us. 
and to be free. The emphasis on the bruised heel of the Lord Jesus Christ, our deliverer. No, we could sing a song. We could say, oh, sacred heel, now wounded. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend? And so we behold the blood of the covenant. We're beholding the, 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 the bloodied heel of the deliverer. And the best description, I think the best description for blood in, in, in the Bible is, 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 is Deuteronomy 12.23. Deuteronomy 12.23 makes a very simple statement. It says, the blood is the life. Deuteronomy 12.23, the blood is the life. What's that mean? The blood is the life. You know, the blood, if you think about it, the blood in the body, it's like a link. It's like a liquid link. The blood's like a liquid link between our soul and our body. As long as there's blood, then our soul is in our body. And when blood is shed, then life is drained out and there's death. Life is drained out. That's why blood is so important because it speaks of the life of the person. No blood, no life. No blood, no life. And the Lord Jesus, he saves us. He saves us when he, when he shed his blood. He saved us in, in the sense of a great substitution. A great substitution happened in our salvation. It's the substitution of ours for his. Everything was ours for his. It was our death for his life. It was our, our, our sinfulness is substituted for his righteousness. It was our rejection by God was substituted by his, for his acceptance by God. It was our, it was our, our homelessness state, our homeless state for eternity that was substituted for his home for eternity. It was all the despair and all the sadness that characterized our life, and that was substituted by his joy and his gladness. It was how far we were from God. It was our distance from God that was substituted by his closeness to God. We came with internal filthiness, internal filthiness from sin, and he substituted that for his internal purity and cleanness. We had a war with God. Our sin made us the enemies of God. We were on the, on the opposite side fighting against God. And our war with God was substituted with his peace with God. And we, we were weak. We absolutely had no power. We were weak and we could not overcome sin. And that was substituted by his power to overcome sin. We were one with the world and it was substituted by his separation from the world. He said, I'm not of this world. We were barred from heaven. Heaven was, 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 was not our home. Heaven was a place we could not enter. And that was substituted by his right to enter heaven. We came with the destiny of hell, and he brought us the destiny of heaven. Everything was a substitution. It was all a substitution. And this substitution came to us by him dying for us. He died to give us his substitution, his life. We got his, we, we, we got everything we didn't have. We got his life. We got his righteousness. We got his acceptance with God. We got his eternal home. We got his joy, his gladness, his closeness to God. We got his, his purity, his righteousness. We got power, his power. This is all his power to overcome sin. All of that came to us by substitution. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ died. So that 
to give us all that we don't have by substitution. And since the life of the Lord Jesus Christ was in his blood, that's why there's such an emphasis of blood in the Bible. What we so desperately needed was all his, and it all came to us as he died for us and opened up this possibility of substitution. Now, when you you look at it, you say, okay, that's great. That's all that comes to me. That's wonderful. But substitution has two sides. It's a swapping. It's a swapping. And it not only means what we got on our side, but it also means what he got on his side. And he got all that we had. And that's what's referred to in Isaiah 53, 6, when it says, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. It, when it says in 1 Corinthians 15.3, 1 Corinthians 15.3, 15, it says, Christ died for our sins. And going back to Isaiah 53.6, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That iniquity that was laid on him, those sins that were laid on him was what we had on our side. What was laid on him? Our death, our sadness, our rejection by God when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Our eternal homelessness, our despair, our sadness. When he said, when it says, sorrow hath broken his heart, our distance from God, our, 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 our war with God, our weakness, our worldliness, our being barred from heaven, our destiny of hell, that's what he got when he was on the cross and he died for our sins. All that was laid on him as part of the substitution. So it's this great substitution, this great substitution that happened when he shed his blood. And that's why there's such an emphasis and why Moses said, behold, think about this, the blood of the covenant. It was in that, it was when he shed his blood that that substitution took place. That's why Moses is essentially speaking to us in Exodus 24, 8, when he says, behold the blood of the covenant. Behold the blood of the covenant. Now, when we look at and consider the blood, behold the blood of the covenant, we see this substitution and all that we benefited from, from the death of the Lord Jesus. Think, we, we think back about the shedding of blood that we read about in Genesis 4. And Genesis 4 is the first murder. Genesis 4.10 is the first murder. That's where Cain murdered his brother Abel. And after he murdered his brother Abel and his blood was shed, and it was his blood, Abel's blood was on the ground, God said something very interesting in verse 10, in Genesis 4.10. He said, he said, what hast thou done? He was speaking to Cain. What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now we look at that and we say, what? The voice of blood is crying. That's what it says. The voice of Abel's blood was crying to God from the ground. Well, then we ask the next question, what was it saying? What was it saying when it was crying out to God, the blood? What it was saying what the, vo- what the voice of Abel's blood was saying, it was crying out it, to God. It says, vengeance is required for my blood. Judgment is required against the murderer. Justice is needed for the murderer of my life. Those are the words of the voice of, the, of, of Abel's blood that was crying out from the ground that God heard. Wrath is, is, is needed 
for the murderer of my life. The life of my murderer is required for my life. See, and this is what the blood of Abel's, uh, blood of Abel was crying out to God. It's the same thing as the cry of the martyrs in heaven who are under the altar where it says in Revelation 6.10, Revelation 6.10, they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So this is what the first blood was crying out. It was making these cries here. But now, this is different blood. And Moses now says, when he says, behold the blood of the covenant. And so now, as we behold the blood of the covenant, God wants us to hear what the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is crying out. It's also crying out. It's also crying out. Because the cries of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ are different from the cries of the blood of Abel. And this is referred to, this difference in what they're crying out is referred to in Hebrews 12.24. In Hebrews 12.24, it says, it speaks about, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, so we're reading about in Exodus, the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is called in, in Hebrews 12.24, that verse, Hebrews 12.24, it's called the blood of the sprinkling, just like Moses, that was what he did. The blood of the sprinkling. It's referring back to Exodus 24.8. And when Moses sprinkled the blood. And we're told that the blood of the sprinkling spoke better things than the blood of Abel. And by using the word better, it, it, it draws us to make a comparison between the two bloods. The blood of Abel and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And because whereas the blood of Abel was crying out for vengeance on the sinner, the blood of Jesus is calling out for mercy on the sinner. The blood of Jesus, it speaks better things than the blood of Abel because whereas the blood of Abel called out for wrath on the sinner, the blood of Jesus calls for grace on the sinner. It speaks better things because whereas the blood of Abel was calling out for war with the sinner, the blood of the Lord Jesus is calling out for peace with the sinner. These are the cries of the blood of the Lord Jesus. And, and it couldn't be better put than by Charles Wesley when he wrote his hymn, Arise, my soul, arise. And you can hear very clearly in his hymn the cries of the Lord Jesus, of the blood of the Lord Jesus, when he wrote in his hymn, five bleeding, five bleeding wounds he bare, five bleeding wounds he bare, received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. And here's what they say. Forgive him, forgive him, they cry. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry, nor let that ransom sinner die. That's what we hear when we behold the blood of the covenant, the cries that came from the blood of the Lord Jesus. Forgive, oh forgive, they cry, no let that ransom sinner die. So what the blood did for us is that it reversed the sentence of death for us. It reversed it, and it took our sentence of death, and it made a sentence of life. And that's what we see as we behold the blood of the covenant. Let's pray. Father, 
Help us now as we go into this time now to remember you, Lord Jesus, in your blood. In your name we pray. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org.